0: be a part of the body of Christ and to be thankful for men and women who stand for righteousness in this community and raise their children in the fear of God. You are a strength to any community, you are a strength to our country, and you are to be recognized for your commitment and your faithfulness. We continue this morning in a series of messages that we started as we returned from Africa on the five spiritual senses. We take our text today from Revelation 2:7, that says, He that hath an ear let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God we've talked about speaking, we've talked about touch, we've talked about vision, and today we want to talk about hearing. The spiritual sense of hearing is not dependent on having the ability to hear naturally. In fact, you can have a deficit in a natural sense and it can make you more aware with your other natural senses. The same thing is also true spiritually. You can have a deficit in the natural sense and it can make you more aware with your spiritual sense. Thus is the case with a spiritual sense of hearing. You can become more aware of God by being less consumed with natural senses. You can become more aware of the voice of God by shutting out the voices of distraction. That will crowd your ears and your mind through social media and entertainment. It is true that we don't live in a bubble, but we do live in a time when the influence of the world on our ears is increasing. We must guard our ears to this life so that our ears can be tuned to a heavenly voice. James chapter 1 and verse 19 says, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear slow to speak, slow to wrath. In other words, we should hear, listen first before we speak. Many times we do the exact opposite. We speak first and then we try to figure out how we can pull our words in. How many of you have ever said something and said, oh, I wish I hadn't have said that? The Bible gives us good direction on that. Be swift to hear. In other words, let that be the first thing that we do. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14 says how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher. Romans ten seventeen says so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So hearing starts. Now, understand, once again, I'm talking about spiritual hearing. Hearing starts with a declaration of the Word of God. If you think that you are hearing from God and it is contrary to the Word of God, you are not hearing from God. You must recognize the frailty of human imagination. But if you feel that the Lord is impressing your spirit through the preaching of the Word of God and it is in alignment with the Word of God, then you are exercising the spiritual sense of hearing. So the question for all of us today is, what is it that the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to us about? Well, I believe that there are three ways that we can put our ears in tune to what God is saying. The first thing that we must do is we must minimize distractions. We must minimize distractions. In Acts chapter 13, Barnabas and Saul went to the Isle of Cyprus and they had the blessing of the church in Antioch and there was a governor of that island who was named Sergius Paulus, a good man. The Bible calls him a prudent man and he called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of the Lord. But there was a sorcerer whose name was Elamis. He came against Paul and Barnabas, tried to shut them down. In fact, the Bible makes it clear that that is what his motive was, you don't even have to suppose it, it's clearly stated in Acts chapter 13, verse 8 says, but Elam is the sorcerer for so is his name by interpretation withstood them, referring to Paul and Barnabas, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. You know, unclean spirits are aware That they are not going to get you. The sorcerer didn't come against Paul and Barnabas. But the fight was for the individual who was hungry to hear the word of God. The Bible says, then Saul, verse 9, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Set his eyes on him. The sorcerer, and said, Oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief. You got to remember the enemy is subtle. Not everything that is evil appears to be evil. Oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness. Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, Sergius Paulus, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, they could not reach this governor until they dealt with the distraction of Elis. You and I cannot hear from heaven if all we have is distractions that are in this world. Unclean spirits that want to control you with fear and worry and gossip and all of this cultural noise. You've got to shut it all out and you've got to say, I want to hear what thus saith the Word of God. Oh, hallelujah. Have you ever had a hard time hearing on your cell phone because of background noise? It's, a, it's an impossible thing to try to talk on the phone in a small area like your car when there are several other people in the car trying to do the same thing. <laughs> and everybody is trying to get a little louder than the other one so that their conversation can continue. Sometimes you have to just say, I'll call you back later. Or if there's times when you're trying to talk and you can't because of background noise or other things that are going on, maybe you're in your house and the vacuum cleaner's going, something's happening you can't hear, you have got to move outside. Or you've got to get into another room or you've got to turn the radio down. or So you can hear what's being said. There's all kinds of background noise in this life. And sometimes the Lord is wanting to speak to us because this same principle is true in the spirit world. And God is wanting to speak to his people, but we can't hear him because we've got too much background noise going on. Somebody's trying to tell us this, somebody's trying to tell us that somebody's got some other opinion so forth and so on and it's hard to hear what thus saith the Lord because of all of the distractions. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to hear from heaven we've got to turn down all the background noise. We've got to move into a place and into a position where our focus is not on the voices of this world but our focus is on a heavenly voice and we will hear the Lord say it. It's going to be alright. You're going to hear the Lord say it. I'm going to take care of you. I'm never seen the righteous forsaken or it's seed begging bread, God's got your back. Yes, He does. And sometimes some of this background noise may not necessarily be from a sorcerer. It may not seem to be witchcraft. It may seem to be just news or entertainment or interesting. We were, we were flying back from our general conference in Kansas City yesterday and they were getting ready to do the safety announcements you know so they have to try to eliminate distractions so before they gave the safety announcements they said you know we want you to take off your noise canceling headphones and we want to turn off your iPads or computers cell phones put them on airplane mode because we want you to listen this could be important What do you do if the plane goes down in water? And it always is amazing to me that they say, you take your little life vest out from beneath your seat and you pull the string and it'll inflate, but if it doesn't, there's this like hose tube thing and and you blow it up manually if the plane goes down in the ocean, I don't see people calmly putting on a vest and going, (laughs) 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 but I admired their attempt to minimize distractions. But behind me, there was a man with a very, very loud voice. And he was telling his new friend that was sitting next to him a joke that he had heard of all things about a plane crash. (laughs) And so he told this story that I've heard a thousand times, and it's a riddle. And he says, there's a plane traveling from the United States to Canada. The plane crashes on the line between the United States and Canada. On which side would they bury the survivors? And he asked this question, and it's so loud, you can hear him for like 10 rows ahead and 10 rows behind. Meanwhile, they're trying to give safety instructions about what could possibly be a real crash. And the guy's like, it left from the United States? He said, yeah, and then he says, listen to what I'm saying. I'm going to say it again. He repeated it four times. I finally, I finally turned around. They don't bury survivors. I had to give them the answer. <laughs> I like to get in the exit row where I've got room, you know. And they always come by and they always say, you know, are you willing to help? And you I'm like, yes, I am. I'm willing to do all that. After I get out that door, I'll hold the door on my way out. But they'll say to you, you know, and there's instructions right there on the card. And nine out of 10 people never even look at that card, they never think anything's going to happen. But I got to thinking to myself, that's the way it is, even with spiritual things. This could save your life. But we've got this guy behind us that's telling us a joke. We got people around us that's got all kinds of issues, and it's easy to be distracted, not necessarily with something evil, just with noise. Noise. And I got to thinking to myself, why is it that we in our human nature would be more interesting, more interested in a riddle than with the instructions of how to be saved in case of a crash? And I realized it is our human nature to think. That even in the realm of spiritual things, that would never happen to me. That would never happen to me. Ladies and gentlemen, I think all of us recognize we live in a world where anything can happen at any moment. But there is a Bible, hallelujah, that is our road map for life. And if you and I can say, Lord... I want to hear from you. I'm going to minimize some of of all this other stuff that I have put in my mind and in my spirit. And this week, I'm going to spend some time and I want to say, Lord, I want to hear from heaven. It requires commitment, and it requires focus, but it requires us minimizing distractions and saying, you know what, I'm not going to let Elamis. I'm not going to let him dominate the conversation. I'm not going to let him destroy what God is wanting to do on this island. And you've got to be like Paul, and you've got to deal with the distraction. Some of you had distractions coming in here this morning. You're right now thinking about what you got to do in just a few moments. You've probably had the thought in your mind, I wonder how long pastor's going to go this morning. (laughs) (laughs) And there's all these things that you're already thinking about. That's just human nature. But if we want to hear from God, we have to get focused and we got to get a commitment and say, wait a second. I know all those things are coming in my head. And there may not be bad. They're just stuff, just life. But you've got to to hear from heaven. You've got to say, God, what do you want me to get out of this message today? What is it, Lord, that you want to speak to my heart about? What is it, Lord, that you're wanting me to know in my spirit today? And to say, God, I'm not going to leave until I hear from heaven. I'm not going to leave until I know you have spoken to me through your word. So that's the first thing we have to do is minimize distraction. The second thing that we have to do, we read about in Acts chapter 28. In Acts chapter 28, Paul has survived a shipwreck. And he's delivered, he actually lands on the, the Bible describes the island as Melita, which is now known as Malta. And he, he survives this, there's a viper, that gets a hold of his hand, there's all these different things that happen in Acts 28. Fascinating chapter. And he has appealed to Rome, to Caesar. And he wants to go and appeal his case and he's able to do that because he's a Roman citizen. Jews wanting to kill him because of his preaching of Jesus Christ. And so he's trying to get to Rome. Well, he finally gets to Rome, having survived shipwreck, and snake bites and all kinds of things. And when he finally gets to Rome, Acts 28 says that they, they deliver him to the, to the centurion there in Rome and they put him, everybody else had to go to prison. but. They had a great respect for Paul. They should, he saved the whole ship. Let me tell you what, you being right with God will do more than just save you and your family. I alluded to this earlier, but I feel prompted in the Holy Ghost to say it again. You are also the salvation of our community. People that know their God are able to touch God and that splashes over into those who you and I rub shoulders with every day. I'm not just saying that to stroke your ego. It is the truth. The whole boat was saved because of Paul. So when he gets there, they honor him for that. And they just he gets to go to a house. You know, he's not in prison. He's under what we call maybe today house arrest. Now there is a, a, you know, a guard that goes with him and all that. But until the emperor can hear his appeal, he's under house arrest. Now. I love reading about Paul because Paul was apostolic through and through. Well, instead of just sitting here waiting, feeling sorry for myself, he starts to write. They believe he wrote the book of Philippians there, under house arrest, and (laughs) Philippians is amazing because it's all about joy, and here he is chained to two soldiers. But he also calls for the Jewish leaders that are in Rome, and he calls for them and Verse 21 of Acts 28 picks up the narrative. It's very, very fascinating, verse 21. And they said unto him, this referring to the Jewish leaders that lived in Rome, we neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. He's telling them what happened in Jerusalem, how the Jews wanted to kill him, and he had to appeal to Caesar, and that's how he's in Rome now. And they say, we haven't gotten any letters on this. We haven't gotten any correspondence. We haven't heard about it. We haven't heard anybody, you know, uh, speak of wanting to hurt you or harm you. Look at verse 22. But we desire. Oh, hallelujah. We desire to hear of thee. What thou thinkest. For as concerning this sect. They're talking here about the Christians. We know that everywhere it is spoken against. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many, everybody say many, Many. to him into his lodging. They come to Paul in his house to hear him preach as a prisoner. Oh, hallelujah. Listen to this. To whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Elias the prophet unto our father, saying, go unto the people and say, hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. And their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Verse 28, be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. Why did God turn from the Jews to the Gentiles? Because the Gentiles would hear it. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you something? We have no franchise rights on God. God doesn't have to use us just because we're apostolic Pentecostals. If we lose our desire to hear from heaven, and this is point number 2, we have to not only minimize distractions, we have to increase desire. If you and I don't want to hear from God, God's going to find somebody somewhere that wants to hear from heaven. And we have no jurisdiction on God that gives us exclusivity. God's going to find somebody that's hungry for him. God's going to find somebody that desires him. And I got to thinking about this because the book of Romans, which is an incredible book, is written to this church at Rome because for over two years Paul was having church in his house under house arrest. And they wanted to come and debate the whole Jew-Gentile issue. He said, here's what it is with God. It's just based on desire. Yeah, he turned the Gentiles. You know why? Because they desire. You've got to have a desire, ladies and gentlemen, to hear from heaven. God doesn't just insinuate himself into your life. He must be beckoned by desire. Desire is what beckons God. This is what brought the angel to Jacob. This is what brought virtue to the lady with the issue of blood. This is what brought salvation to the house of Cornelius. I was preaching. We got some folks here from Indiana. I was preaching a number of years ago up in Elkhart, Indiana, northern part of Indiana. And uh, I was preaching on a Sunday night. I'll never forget it. And I was preaching about faith. And there wasn't many. I've told you this story before. There were not many people that were all that excited about it. This is church had been around a long time. So I was praying while I was preaching, said, Lord, do something supernatural, people see it. And the Lord pointed out a man in the audience to me, and he said, that man is needing to be healed, and he needs to be delivered. He's got lung cancer. And I said, well, God, heal him and deliver him, and then let me know when it's all over, we'll have him testify. (laughs) That's the way we work, right, in our humanity. And uh, the Lord said, no, that's not how it's going to work. You call him out, you call him out and you tell him what I've told you and I'll do the work. But what if I miss? Which one is it now? Third in? I mean, you know, all of those humanity and the frailty of our flesh becomes really very obvious when dealing in the spirit. And so finally, I just pointed to him, called him out, asked him to stand. He stood up, great big man, big, enormous, giant of a man. And I said, you came here tonight because you are dealing with lung cancer. God wants to heal you. God told me he's going to heal you tonight. I want you to lift up your hands. He lifted up his hands. Everybody else is just still sitting there. He lifts up his hands. I go down there to pray for him. I get and stand on the seat in front of him. I put my hand on his head. I mean, he must have been like 6'6 six, six or something. He was huge. He was like Aaron Wilhite. I don't know if Aaron's here today, but he was a big, tall guy. And uh, I stood up there and prayed for him. He put his arms up and he had great big arms, he looked like a professional wrestler or something. And uh, he closed his eyes and I started praying for him. And uh, I started seeing tears come down out of his eyes and I said, you mind coming down to the altar with me? Let's pray together. We went down the altar and started praying together. And uh, he started jumping up and down, saying, I'm free, I'm free. And uh, I started worshiping with him. We were just just the two of us having our own little church service. And then all of a sudden, he just ran right out the center aisle, right out the back door. (laughs) And was gone. (laughs) I was like, drive-by healing. Just kind (laughs) of come in, go out. (laughs) And, and everybody else just still sitting there looking at me I <laughs> don't know what to tell you felt the Lord told me to pray for him I'm not, I, the Lord didn't tell me about this quick exit I didn't, that was news <laughs> to me as well <laughs> then he comes running back in and he has this whole lap full of cigarettes and he packages and he lays them all out there on the, on the altar area down on the floor and he starts dancing and jumping up and down on top of it and grinding them all into the carpet and I saw the pastor looking like how are we going to get all that out of the carpet he said God's delivered me from nicotine I said well you've been delivered now he wants to give you something God doesn't take away anything without giving you something better." So he's got something better he wants to give you. He said, what's that? I said, that's the Holy Ghost. I'm going to pray for it. You're going to receive the Spirit of God. It's going to come into you. It's going to be more powerful than nicotine. And it doesn't harm you. In fact, it gives you eternal life. So here's how it happens. And I told him, you're going to raise your hands and we're going to pray. And I want you just to worship God. And he said, I can do that. And um, we started praying. He started speaking words out. He didn't understand. Started shouting words. I mean, it was, he, was, I mean he got a good dose And uh, so he said, uh, let me have the microphone. (laughs) Somebody that big, you don't argue with them. (laughs) I gave him the microphone and he started telling his story. And he said, I was diagnosed last week with lung cancer. and My doctor is one of the fastest moving cancers. He said, the doctor told me I had less than six months to live. He said, I have never been to a church one day in my life. He said, as I drove by this building, I heard, I heard a voice say, if you will go into that church, I will heal you. And your lungs will be perfectly clear. He said, I thought it was something on my radio that I'd gotten the wrong channel and I'd gotten turned to a a preacher on the radio or something and he said, I turned off my radio, I drove by and I come back and I drove back by and I heard it again. He said, I pulled into the parking lot. I've been sitting out there for 30 minutes trying to get my nerve up to come inside this church. And he said, when this preacher, and he pointed to me, when this preacher said, God's come to heal you of, of lung cancer, he said, I knew for the first time in my life that there was a God who cared about me. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! So he said, I'm clear. I know I haven't gone to a doctor yet, but he said, I'm clear. I can tell. I'm already breathing better. And uh, God filled this man with the Holy Ghost, delivered him from nicotine, and called him to preach. All in the same moment because he started to preach to the rest of the crowd and I realized right there that God always has a bullpen ready to go if you're not getting the job done he can pull a reliever out in the middle of your service. <laughs> he preaches and then gives the altar call he said God's delivered me from nicotine he said, I come down here and I done all this stuff because I'm never going back to all that stuff. It tried to kill me, but God's given me life and I got this spirit and he said, I can't understand how the rest of y'all are just sitting there. He said, now the preacher told me to come down here. I can't believe I'm the only one. I think everybody ought to come down here. <laughs> Folks, I've never seen people go to the altar so fast. People are like, come on, honey, we need you to go. I think "Go." Like, It was around Thanksgiving time in that area up there, you know, there's all kind of Amish people. There was a bunch of people that were familiar with families and they had Amish people there, with they had them white hats and clothes and so forth. And there was some of them that, everybody came down. I'm telling you, there's nobody there. It was 100%. It was, I may bring him down here to Palm Bay. Everybody was in the altar. And, uh, <laughs> and there were the Amish people with their hats and all that. And this guy had a, he had a hand that looked like a bear paw and I'll never forget as long as I live. He never had been to church. God, he, told him how, he taught him how to do everything. The man was laying this big old bear paw of a hand on top of people's heads. And they had like their little white thing and he was like, Jesus! And he put that big hand on the top of their head. Six Amish people received the Holy Ghost that night. <laughs> Woo! You know what I realized right there? If you've got a desire, you can hear from heaven. You may not have had the right daddy, the right mama. You may not have been raised in church. You may have never heard about who Jesus is. But heaven will speak to you if you desire God. He's looking for somebody that desires him. Stand to your feet. i got to finish. The last thing we've got to do is strengthen our defense. We must minimize distractions. We must increase desire. But we must also strengthen our defense. Acts 22.1 Paul said, men and brethren, fathers, hear ye my defense which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence. And he saith. They always say, ladies and gentlemen, that the best defense is a good offense. But over and over, even in competitive sports, you see that defense, a good defense, wins championships. Does not matter how many points you score. If you can't keep the other team from scoring, eventually you'll run out of steam. We understand the concept of defense, concept of protecting your side of the field or your side of the court, but perhaps today it's best to understand by just looking at the fence portion of that equation. We don't often look at defense in a positive light, especially when we look at spiritual matters. We'd rather talk about being on the offense a new territory. But defense is what keeps heaven speaking to us. Because it is based on trust. You see, if you've got a friend, that friend will talk openly to you if they trust you. They must feel like that there is a fence or a wall around that friendship. And that whatever they say, they can say it to you, and they are safe. You won't think less of them. You won't go out and tell other people. That's what true friendship is. And that trust relationship is what allows us in the natural world to speak openly to those that we trust. Ladies and gentlemen, hearing from heaven is based on trust. So God speaks to those that will build a fence around that relationship and say, God, whatever your will is, even if it's not what I want to do, I want you to speak to me, God, and I want you to know I'm going to protect it. There are things in this life that you and I may refrain from and there are places that we stay away from not because we think that we are better than anyone else but because we are trying to protect something very valuable. Our relationship with God. We want to hear from heaven. But God is going to speak to a people that will build a fence to guard against worldliness, to guard against complacency. I don't know about you, but I want God to feel comfortable talking to me. The Bible says to remove not the ancient landmarks, those markers that are in our life as boundaries. We must have boundaries. I said, we must have boundaries so that when we come together in God's house on this day and we celebrate his presence, we can say, God, we are here to hear from you. I wonder right now as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, All of us are here today because you have established disciplines in your spiritual life to defend you against the onslaught of secularism. And when you repent, you are defending that relationship. When you worship, you are building a fence around your spirit. When you show appreciation, you are building a defense around your spirit. But I wonder today how many in this building are willing to step out from where you're standing and come to this altar. And by so doing, you are declaring with your actions, I want to hear from heaven. I don't come to the Lord today in some sort of frivolous request. I'm willing to minimize distractions. I'm willing to increase desires. And I'm willing to strengthen those defenses so that I can say, God, you can speak to me. I'll hear you. I'll obey. The Bible said we can't be hearers of the word only, but we've got to be doers of the word also. So it's not enough for me today to just hear the word of God. I must do what God is calling me to do. Oh, that's beautiful. People are coming. There's room for you. Just step out from where you're at. Make your way down to the front. I want you to come down here and lift up your hands. Close your eyes. That's saying, God, we're going to minimize distractions. I want you to pray with an increased desire and say, God, whatever your will is for my life, I'm here to say, God, forgive me. Heal my body. Cleanse my soul. Speak to my heart today, oh God.